Anyone go to Christmas carols last night? The rural Christmas carol? Yeah? Good night? <laughs> Christmas is over. Is that what happens once that's done? <laughs> it's funny, like, you know, as mum was talking about this Christmas thing and we've got a Christmas tree set up out there, how quickly it sort of comes upon us and then is over. Um, yeah, it just blows me away every year. And, and I love that thought that, that Sue, my mum, that was up here, was giving, you know, about Christmas, that, that we're looking forward from this day to say, well, welcome to the Saviour, but the true power is in that death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The work of God is amazing. It's a free gift that God has given us of Jesus. And at this time of year, we start really celebrating that gift that, that came to us. But did you know that not everyone can, or not everyone does, take hold of that gift? We know that's true, right? But what about us? What are we going to do with that gift? I was at the markets the other day, and um, there was a stand, and they were selling pawpaws. So pretty nice pawpaws, pretty big, looked nice and ripe. And there's a sign there that said, pawpaws $5 each, three pawpaws. $16. So as you can see, that's sort of, wait a minute, $5 each, <laughs> three for 16, that doesn't quite add up. Anyway, one of the blokes there decided, he was just walking past all the sign, he's like, um, there's something wrong with your sign. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, well, it says three poor paws for $16, but they're $5 each. And he goes, yeah, that's right. So why does it say $16? So he said, well, the sign says $16. The guy goes, okay, so let me ask you this. If I buy one pawpaw, how much is it going to cost? He goes, $5. He goes, okay. If I buy two pawpaws, how much is it going to cost? $10. And he goes, okay, this makes common sense, right? How much if I buy three pawpaws? It should be $15, right? Five plus five plus five. And he goes, no, it's $16. He goes, but it's five plus five plus five. The sign says $16. <laughs> So the guy was like, oh my goodness sake, he said, all right, I'll show you. So what he did was he bought one pawpaw, did the transaction, got the pawpaw, five bucks. No worries, very good. Then he bought another pawpaw, five bucks, no worries. Got his change, bought another pawpaw, five dollars. And then he goes, see, I just bought three pawpaws off you, five plus five plus five, fifteen dollars. He said, you are never going to sell your, your uh, pawpaws if you keep doing this. You know, like you, you got, it doesn't make any sense. You want people to buy more pawpaws, but you're saying it costs more for that. And he says, well, it's because of people like you that I've got no stock left. <laughs> people who want to prove a point, they're like, I'm going to prove it. And they're so determined to prove that point, the stubbornness comes over them. And they're like, I'm going to show you that it's only $15. The farmer won, right? Because he sold three pawpaws when he was going to sell zero pawpaws because someone wanted to prove a point. But I wonder if sometimes we're like that. <laughs> ben, you're doing the maths in your head there, mate. I can see that. <laughs> 16 is more than 15, if you ever want to know, like, same amount of pawpaws. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Yeah, to us, that's pretty stupid, right? What an idiot. The guy just bought three pawpaws. He probably didn't even want them. 
if you didn't even really want one, that story's not true, by the way. Um, and it wasn't me. <laughs> Someone I know. No, but this is a really stupid way of behaving, isn't it? It's like, you know, it makes no sense at all, yet how often do we see that in our own life with the things that God asks us to do? We, we see it from the start of our salvation right through to the end, I guess, in, in different ways of, of what we do that, you know, there, there's this stubbornness inside of our hearts that we don't want to change, that, that we want to be right, that we want to retain control over things. But there's a real downside to this for us. You know, while, you know, you sort of feel that the world around us really talks about independence, independent way of thinking, independent way of acting, you know, that, that self-determination. It's such a dangerous trap for us to fall into as Christians, to think that, that somehow we should be relying on ourselves, our thoughts, our behaviours, our attitudes, and expect that God's peace would actually come into our life, that the promises of God would eventuate, that we would enter into the rest that is of faith. And faith should be a rest for us. It should be, our Christianity should be this rest where, where we're ceasing from our own works, the Bible says, and now we're entering into God's rest, that, that there's this, this movement, this change in our life where we are no longer relying on self, but we are fully committed and devoted to Jesus Christ. And this is something that we're, we're going to look at in a minute where it's definitely the Holy Spirit's voice inside of us saying, guys, don't be stubborn. Don't be that type of person that refuses to change, that despite what we see happening in our life, we're going to continue down that path. I've got to be honest with you, I know people that if I said to them, hey, this is what you should do, they will go and do the opposite just because they were told what to do. Have you ever been like that? Where you've sort of been like, you know what, they've told me, I know what's right. Even the things that are in the Word of God that you read and you're like, I know that's the right way to act, I know that's the right way to behave, but there's this attitude that sometimes comes through on us, isn't it? You cannot tell me what to do. And even if we know it's the right thing, we, we know we should go right, we're like, they said to go right, that's it, I'm going left. How dare they try and control me and tell me what to do. And, and yet we are called as Christians to this life of surrender to the things of the Spirit, aren't we? We're called to this life of surrender to the Word of God. We're called to this life of surrender in our lifestyle that now is in line with God. And the point of this for us is that God said, if you actually listen to my voice and don't harden your heart, you are going to enter into a rest that you really need as a person. Speaking of uh, not doing what someone says, I don't know about you guys, but in my heart sometimes, you know, Joe will, I'll be tapping something. She'll go, can you please stop that? Guess what I've got to do? <laughs> you ever done that? You want to prove a point, it's like, well, wait a minute, you can't tell me to stop that. Now I'll stop. I made that decision, not you. And, <laughs> and so often that is truly what we're like, even with God, isn't it? It's like, I don't make this decision. God says, do this, do this. Well, you know what, I'll do it when it's my choice. 
The truth of that is that it really is our choice. We are the ones who have ultimate control over our life, aren't we? So, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but we can make our choices and we can blame either our circumstance, the things that happen in our life, whatever it might be, for the reason to make that choice, but we're still making a choice. We can make choices dictated to by circumstance or we can make the choice that is right, the choice that is the way that God wants us to go. Just have a, have a look at a couple of verses and then we're going to read through Hebrews chapter 3, um, part of that there. But look at this, Proverbs 28, 14, Blessed are those who fear to do wrong, but the stubborn are headed for, for serious trouble. God urges us to be the opposite of stubborn and rather to remember God's goodness, set our hope on him and obey what he commands. In fact, isn't that the essence of being a fully formed disciple? You know, we, we might have he heard this word as Christians and if you're not a Christian... Uh, and you hear this morning, a disciple is basically someone who, who is following after Jesus. The ultimate aim of that is this, that when we are asked to make disciples, what is part of that process? We, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, um, and you see it in Matthew spelled out very clearly, Matthew 28, verse 20 says this, Teach them to obey all that I've commanded. That somewhere in our discipleship, our process of growing as a Christian is this call to obedience to what God is asking us to do. Isn't that true? And I think that, that sometimes we put that aside and we're like, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus, but when it comes to actually obeying him, maybe not. And yet Jesus is saying, if you want to be a fully formed disciple, someone who is really following after God, do, do what I've commanded. And of course, his greatest commandment was this, that we love one another. Obviously, love God, love one another. And then we are, we are urged to actually teach the generations that are following us to set their hopes anew on God, not to forget his miracles and obey his commands. Psalm 78, verse 7 and 8. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. Hmm... Why is this so important to God? When you see the word stubborn in the Bible, often it means that hard-heartedness where we have calloused over our heart and we're just not going to listen. In fact, there's a word that, that you might have heard called impenitent. Sometimes we're impenitent, which means this. We're admitting no change of mind. In other words, we're like set in our ways, whatever we want to do is what we're going to continue doing, even if it harms us. And the thing about obeying God is this, that when we obey God, there is a blessing with it. Why is that? Because the blessing of God comes through obedience. Not because we're now suddenly, you know, ticked, yes, he's been a good boy, 
so I will now bless him. No, the obedience itself is blessing. So when God asks us, things, asks us to do things like this, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, what's the blessing in that? The blessing is not, tick, they've done the right thing, but that all of a sudden we are surrounded with people that have this kindness towards one another. Is there a blessing when people are kind to you? I would say yes. Is there a blessing when people are forgiving with you? I would say yes. Is there a blessing when you're tender-hearted towards one another? I would say yes. And that blessing is reciprocated back to the other person when we're obedient to that. It works in every relationship that we have, whether it's friendship, work, whatever it might be, church, marriage. Imagine that, that, that people who are married decide, you know what, I've actually been harsh and mean and not understanding to my partner. What does God's word say? It says that I should live with understanding with them, that I should be exactly what I just said before. I should be kind and tender-hearted towards my wife or my husband. I should be forgiving. What's the result of that? Same comes back to you, exactly. There's this release of God's favour through obedience to his word that's not about being a good boy or a good girl. It's about the blessing that the person who created the universe knows how things should be working, knows how they will work well, knows that if you actually obey what God says, a blessing will come. Is that not true? The obedience itself commands a blessing. And so on the opposite end of that is when we are stubborn and hard-hearted and refuse to listen to God, what do you think the result would be? I'm unkind because I need to get my feelings out there. I need to make sure that my rights are protected and that what I think is respected and you should be listening to me and you should be fulfilling my needs and you should be in kind to me and because you haven't been I'm going to walk my own path and let's be honest not everything that God asks us to do is easy right would you say it's easy I don't think so you know when he says you know do good to enemies pray for those that persecute use that exactly what you feel like doing i doubt it very much but god knows that if you walk that way then a blessing can come on your life and on their life as well you see our rest as christians relies on us not hardening our hearts not 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 setting them and saying i am not going to change because i have the right to be in control of my life. But as Christians, there's this other call upon us to believe simply. What do I mean? Just simply believe. Don't have a complicated faith that is, is looking like, as we talked about, I think it might have even been last week, are you looking for signs and wonders? Are you looking for whatever those other things are before you make a decision to follow Jesus, but to just go, you know what? Despite what my mind says, 
despite the past experience that I've had, I'm going to believe you, Jesus, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust 100% that what you say is what I should be doing. We have to rely implicitly. What do I mean? I mean, our reliance is on Jesus. It's interesting, we were at... um, at a um, memorial service yesterday for Hazel, one of the ladies that was coming to church, and someone said, you know what she always used to say? It doesn't matter, God's got it. I know that God has got it for my life. God has got it. That there's this reliance on him for everything in our life, and the other last one is to confide cheerfully. What does that mean? It means that our heart has confidence in God. And that we are prepared to open up our lives to him. So if you think of a confidant, what was that? Someone who you tell your deepest things. And for us, we should cheerfully say that to God. That's why I love him so much. It's like, you know, as we're, we're singing that song, Glorious Day, you know, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, that, that I, have, I have no reason not to come to him with what it is inside of me that might be darkness. And yet our tendency sometimes is to run away from the light, run away from his presence, yet God says run to the light. He says those who love the light, run to the light. And the point of that is that when we hide in darkness, nothing ever gets fixed. But when we open up our heart to God, that full surrender, God, everything I have is yours, everything I am is yours, I'm going to give my life completely to you and I want you to know me. These are my struggles. These are my fears. These are the things that, that I, that I have, have um, held on to that, that have brought me down a wrong path. But God, you actually want me to tell you about it so you can set me free. I, I was considering that you know, how he forgives us of our sins and it says that our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. That's a pretty long way. (laughs) We're talking forever if we've got a flat earth, obviously because it's round they meet. (laughs) But but the point is this, that, you know, if, if I had my sins and God grabbed them out of my life and he threw them that way and they kept going forever... And that way, forever, the distance between me and my sin, it's immeasurable, right? And this gives us the power to live a Christian life when we fully understand that grace that God has given us, that my sin has been removed from me, my mistakes, my bad behaviour, my whatever it might have been that, that, that was out of God's will, When I actually come to him and ask for forgiveness, this is how far he removes it. As far as that way is from that way. And so I can begin to live this life in confidence, knowing that I'm now pure, that I've been set free, that I'm clean, and also I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we will often say that our hearts become hard because of what? others do to us or circumstances do to us but in every case no matter what the fact is that we harden our own hearts in response to whatever that was and we need to surrender to him let's just read through hebrews 3 
starting at verse 7. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, and I said, Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it's still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt and who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness and to who God was speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter into his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Mm. Unbelief, lack of obedience. You see, we cannot expect that we receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit if we're living in a way that grieves the Holy Spirit. Before I'm a Christian, I cannot expect salvation without faith in Christ. I can't do it. And God is warning us here and he says, the Holy Spirit's saying it and, and maybe he's saying it to you in some area of your life. He's like, don't harden your heart, stop it. You're building up bitterness towards that person, stop it, don't harden your heart. You're building up bitterness against God and what God says, don't harden your heart. Because as soon as you do that, you're going to stop that peace that comes from God. You're going to stop the rest that comes from God. You will still be a Christian, but you will not be living in that state of blessed assurance that we are promised through the Holy Spirit. And the surrender that we have to give to Christ is not one that, that must come from being overpowered by him. You know, there's different ways you can surrender. Sometimes it's just things are so tough, you just give up. I just, I just give up. There's no joy in it. In fact, you feel burdened and trapped. You can surrender because you're overpowered. In other words, I mean, you, you've probably all played the games of mercy at school. You know, have you ever done that? Fingers bending back until someone says, mercy? You surrender because of the pain. <laughs> You can do that, and God is grateful when you do that. But the best surrender that you can have is one that is of your own decision to yield yourself to him and say, it's not me that lives anymore, but it's Christ that's living in me. And the reasons that we don't do that, I mean, there's probably a thousand. 
But here's something that you might sometimes think, no one understands how tough it is. I need to do this on my own. I know best. I need to be in control. It's weak if I'm not in control. No one can tell me what to do. (laughs) See, the life of a Christian is based on surrender. Yielding ourselves to him. Jesus put it very plainly. He said, unless you lose your life, you'll never have life, really. And I wonder this morning, if we looked at ourselves, would we say, yes, I'm yielded to Christ in every single area of my life? I would look and I'd say to myself, no, I'm not. I would also say I want to be. And so the challenge comes out this morning. Where is it that you need to surrender a little bit more to Jesus? Perhaps this morning you're not even a Christian. Did you know that walking down this life, this road of life, without being a Christian, without Christ, is doomed? That in the end, there's destruction. But today, you could make a decision, I am going to follow Jesus. I'm going to yield control of my life and say, the way I'm doing it isn't working. God, come into my life today. Forgive me of my sin. Perhaps there's other areas of your life where you're looking and you're thinking, I haven't actually given that to God. And even in prayer, like things that are hard and not even a sin, but where you're, you're struggling with something in life and you need a breakthrough in life, but you're still trying to make it happen. You're trying to force your kids to become a Christian. You're trying to force um, a job on yourself. You're trying to force things where you've let go of that reliance on God and you begin to trust in your own strength rather than the strength of the Creator. Are there areas like that in your life where you know you are not trusting God anymore? Today, perhaps there's a time, there's something that's in your heart right now and you're like, I know I don't trust God in that area. Is there something there? I'm not trusting him. The fully yielded life of a Christian leads to peace, leads to joy, leads to the flow of the Holy Spirit. And this morning what I'm asking us to do is to challenge ourselves in those, those areas where we find ourselves not yielding to God and not believing his promises. And if we refuse to surrender and remain stubborn, we are going to miss out on the happiness that God has for us. And the worst thing is this, that some people actually believe it's impossible to receive the promises of God. And that's sad, but it's not true, guys. And it's understandable, but it must be overcome. God's promises belong to anyone who believes in him. And sometimes we have circumstances way beyond our control on earth that have directed our paths. We've been in bad family situations, seen bad marriages. We've been abused, whatever it might be, that, that, that's in our life that has stuck with us and we're like, God, can't give me this life abundant. 
I just have to live my life as a Christian in misery. I can't have a good marriage because of where I've come from. I can't have joy because of where I've come from. But what I love about God is this, that he sent his son Jesus Christ and at that cross the ground was fully made level. You see, Jesus died for every sin and for every person actually. He died for every heartache. He is the one who says that I've come to heal the brokenhearted. He's come to set the prisoners free. He's come to, to release the captives, to heal the deaf and the blind. And we might not always be blind physically, but somewhere in our life there's this blindness to think that we cannot have what God has promised us. You can. But there has to be surrender to his will and his way and say, God, the way I've been doing it won't work. But 100% guaranteed, if you do things God's way, it will always work. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your goodness this morning. We thank you that, Lord, you have never failed us. You have always been faithful. And Lord, nothing's changed today. Lord, I just want to pray over us as a as a people, Lord God, that we would never harden our hearts as the Israelites did in the wilderness because we want to enter into that rest that you have promised for us. Lord, where we are fully relying on your work and not ours in our life and we understand that, Lord, it is a struggle at times. But I'm asking right now, Lord, for your favour upon us that we might believe your word to be true. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing um, at, at Cornerstone at this church. We, we do what we have the front open for prayer. What does that mean? It means if you're in prayer for anything, please come forward and we'll pray with you. We pray that God will touch you, that he'll heal you, whatever it might be that you need. Um, if you need strength, we'll pray for that. Whatever it is, it's open up. And sometimes you just need that point of contact where you're just like, I just want some prayer. It's open for you to do that. Apart from that, if you're feeling like everything's good in your life, you don't want prayer for anything, how about we praise together with all our heart right now? Remember this, that God dwells in the praises of his people. If we want God living here, that means our hearts join together in praise. We'll just create this atmosphere where God is ready to invade. So let's worship with all our hearts this morning.